Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. In today's episode, why sagehood is a prerequisite for sainthood, how the divine only ever says yes, how God requires inference rather than obedience, and the three different ways we heal our will in the three different hoods. I remind you, as always, to please listen to this podcast from the beginning and in order. Thanks so much for listening. Well, greetings, listeners, and greetings, Stace. Thanks for being here. This is episode 36, believe it or not, and we still have things to say, as we sometimes talk about, and today is going to be the continuation of our sainthood series something turning into a series mm-hmm. and i had a couple of questions written down here but uh where did you want to begin today well we had talked at last time to um per- perhaps uh, cast off uh, talking about um the uh um, absurdities of the things we call unconditional love sacrifice and um, altruism the unholy trinity you have you called yes. it something i forget what <laughs> The unholy trinity, right? But the I, I three prongs of the trident in the side of humanity. <laughs> oh, nice! On in the, the right butt. side, like like where Yeshua got stabbed. No, on the left side, he got stabbed on the left side. Hmm. Um, so, um, but that's that's kind of content heavy. I'd like to come in with a, a an unusual me, uh, con- meta context that we haven't um, started with sainthood when we started it last time so i kind of like to revisit a couple of things and contrast it with sagehood that leads us in a really nice direction for sainthood good because i'm going to interrupt so much about the difference between sainthood and sagehood because it seems like since 2012 the lines have been blurred somehow and (laughs) i do not have my head around what that is okay yeah well that's fine let's that let's uh, let's start it out here then Mm -hmm. um I'd like to make a um, uh, uh, introduce another term which we've referred to in other podcasts, Joseph. But I'd like to um, kind of cast it in the uh, context of sainthood, and that is the idea of CQ of consciousness quotient. Yeah, right. Um, so many of the um, ways we divide ourselves uh, is um, based on this mistaken, while well, tragic, it's in a, inapplicable um, dynamic of um, IQ. Uh, and that people of higher IQ should be leading those who have lower IQ and all this stuff. Uh, anyway, we don't use uh, in identity. We don't really use IQ at all. Um, what we do use is CQ, consciousness. We actually see IQ as a liability yes. very often. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> because people with IQs, we have so many IQs in, in their heads spilling out, they spill out their ears. Uh, they tend to um, become know-it-alls and get fixated in teenage, I know everything, so I don't have to question anything. Mm. Uh, So high intelligence usually means low curiosity. Unless you're a certain kind of physicist or a certain kind of um, um, uh, uh, astronomer, Uh, but not, not, not certainly not all of the either fields. So um, consciousness quotient for identity um, is a function of um, uh, a couple of different things, but the the headline is of self-awareness. Now, of course, in the sage track, uh, the idea of pivoting anything around the self is um, already off track of the Eastern uh, way. 
so when I say uh, self-awareness, they would mean in the East, and this was my tradition with Zen, of course, uh, they would mean the lack of the uh, self-I. Uh, in other words, self-awareness would mean you're aware that there isn't one. <laughs> That's their basis to start with for self-awareness. And while you have self-awareness based on that you have a self, a personal I, uh, then of course you're already unenlightened and have a long way to go before you're ever liberated from the slavery of your own delusions. So when we say self-aware, um, we mean something completely different, uh, and that is because the uh, there's a distinction in uh, identity's CQ or consciousness quotient. Uh, the thing that the dynamic that it predicates on self-awareness is the difference. And this is fundamental. And this maybe feeds right into your, the rabbit hole you wanted to take today. Mm. Uh, the difference between the mind-based I and the soul-based I. Uh, that distinction is part and parcel of allowing higher CQ. And when that distinction isn't made, um, it, it tends always to be lower CQ. And we'll make that argument here today. So um, well, let's start with the sage as you um, kind of intuitively read out here for today, Joseph. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a wonderful 8th century um, a, a Buddha, a Buddhist teacher in China named um, Shih Tzu. Uh, and he has this wonderful um, uh, uh, little koan. It is, uh, I am not, but the universe is myself. I am not, but the universe is myself. Track that? Uh, it made from, me a little nauseated, so something in me tracked it. Uh, that's based on the, on, it's a, it comes right out of the Buddha's playbook, because, of course, for the Buddha, um, there's no difference between experience and the experiencer. So if there's no difference between the experience, between the experiencer and what the experiencer experiences, then uh, uh, I, an I is only um, an internally cathected dualistic um, construct. Uh, experience. Construct, yes, absolutely, right? Um, so in that sense, um, I is not, but the universe of, parenthetically, of my experience is myself. So that's a, just a slight decoding, and we're right in alignment with the Buddha, right? Uh, but of course, the um, the first thing that comes out of that uh, lack of an I as an essential aspect of consciousness is that that also applies to other. Uh, the eyes of others are also equally um, uh, constructs, uh, internalized, cathected experience constructs. Uh, uh, but uh, when you experience the emptiness in the lack of an eye on the inside in the sage track, right? Then other becomes um, uh, empty also, but you experience other as a vastness, just vastness, unending vastness. Hence, another um, dimension of what Shitsao um, means here of uh, I am not, but the universe is myself. When other becomes also devoid of an I, it literally becomes a vastness, a seamless vastness. And uh, those two um, vectors are, are important for the completion of, um, 
of uh, enlightenment in the sage track. And this is related to the mythos of when Gotama was enlightened, he said something like, uh, allegedly, I and all others have awakened or something like that, because there's no distinction between self and other. So when I wakes up, everythingness awakens to everythingness. From, from his point of view. Yes. Uh, wouldn't that be wonderful if his awakening awakened everyone? To, uh, right. Um, yeah. I've heard that unpacked <laughs> as like, well, wait a minute. He woke yes. up, but I, this, the, all these other people are still suffering, suffering, suffering. Yeah. That's interesting. Word. Suffering. Yes. Uh, and of course, the, the common uh, um, uh, canon uh, that follows from that is when you're in Zen, everyone's in Zen or everything's mm -hmm. in Zen. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's an internalized emptiness and an external, external, internal emptiness plus external vastness equates to a fuller enlightenment. Uh, Maharishi uh, said there were three stages to a, a full enlightenment. The first was cosmic consciousness, then um, uh, um, uh, uh, God consciousness, and then finally, um, oh, what's the third one? I always forget. It uh, doesn't matter. That sounds uh, like uh, isness, allness, and notness. Yes, uh, yeah, something yeah. I forget what the, the term he used for the last consciousness. Um, mm -hmm. At any rate, um, that combination of inner emptiness and outer uh, um, vastness. Now we step back half a half a meta, let's say, <laughs> in that way. Half a meta. Oh, half a meta. Yeah, uh, that that entire true experience, and I had that experience also. So uh, I had the experience that I wasn't. Uh, and it lasted a few months. So I come from experience, not experience, uh, in this way. And as a, uh, a recovering uh, Zen um, adept, um, I want to, I have some, I have a unique qualification to criticize uh, the sagehood track and, and its incompleteness. In some ways, it's tragic incompleteness. So, so we, let's, let's reiterate that. Or let's, we didn't make it to the point, sorry. Uh, it's all predicated on the fact that the I is created by the body-mind. That the I is created by the body-mind. And it's a construct, not any kind of essentiality. Exactly right. Uh, the whole sense of an I is derivative, secondary, and non-essential, as you just said. So in, the, in that sense, um, if that changes, if the I is not just an internalized, cathected, construct of outer experience which uh, it just occurred to me you can only say that the that the eye is a construct of the body mind if you negativize duality itself because the yes. body is an aspect of duality and it's like very a very real aspect of duality but it is it if is all of duality is not real then neither is the eye that the body mind is creating well, here's a really interesting technical point. Um, Zen, I'm, I'm not sure what Advaita and a few other Hindu um, side sects would say here, but mm -hmm. um, technically um, duality is, is not an illusion um, because experience is real, but there's no experiencer having a real experience. In other words, duality, uh, the seasons change, uh, uh, light is different than dark. Duality is not the problem. The fact that we attach to duality is the problem, right? Uh -huh, yeah. So, so that 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 got to be we got to do each step really on yeah. solid ground here to have any uh, right to criticize. Sure. So, in that sense, um, uh, 
the if we change that, that the eye, there's only one eye, and according to all Eastern tradition, there's only one eye, and it's <laughs> it's an illusion, an internalized connection of dual, dualistic construct. But if we change that, uh, we change and undermine the entire paradigm that they say is not a paradigm, a lot of people say, um, of Eastern teachings. So let's, let's contrast what the mind eye would say. Uh, the mind eye, an enlightened mind eye, would say, um, I am your you, and you are my I. Is that track? Remember what Shitzel said, yeah. I am not, but the universe is myself. For the mind eye, from an enlightened point of view, I am your you, Joseph. I am your you, and you are my I. Mm -hmm. Because you're outer to me, you're an experience of me, and therefore you help create my I. Uh -huh. See? I am your you, and you are my I. Since I'm external to you, I validate, um, uh, 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 I'm, I'm experienced for you to help create your I, and your experience, dualistic experience uh, reflects to me my I. Mm -hmm. From the enlightened point of view, that, that, that whole thing is a, is a dualistic construct. But that's mm -hmm. what the mind I would say. They don't deny uh, that the I is, uh, has persistent patterns after enlightenment sort of like uh, a freight train that um, that's going 90 miles an hour for, you know, a, a thousand miles and then turns off the locomotive. Uh, all the, the train will glide on the tracks for a long time. And the persistence of emotions, the persistence of thoughts, the persistence of preferences after enlightenment. What is in all... the matrix they called residual self-image. Remember that? There you go. <laughs> residual self-image. Absolutely. So, so let's contrast that with what the soul I would say. In other words, identity steps in and says, good for you, East. Um, you diagnosed half, half the issue, but you've um, extrapolated and made essential something that's only uh, a partial version of the whole story. So uh, we'll come to that in a moment. But to start us off, the soul I, which is intrinsic to sainthood, whether it's Western religious teachings or identities, we share a term called soul that, per, that persists after death, a personal soul that persists after death, which of course is just gives um, um, Zen masters a, a, a migraine, gives, the, <laughs> gives their brain a migraine because there's no eye left, right? Certainly, uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, the soul eye would not say, um, I am your you and you are my eye. It, it just wouldn't say that. The soul I would say, I have a me and you have a you. This and is the identity what, version. Uh, it would also be, Roman Catholicism would also agree oh. with this if they okay. had to. Yeah. I am a me and you are a you. Mm -hmm. Suspiciously like how it is personally here when we are showing up as bodies. I can say I am a me and you are a you, and we're going to find some try to find some common values to make a connection with each other, right? So this statement, I for the soul, I I am I have a me and you have an I. Uh, I have a me and you have a you. Uh, sounds so much like unenlightened uh, I hood, 
uh, uh, dualistic eyehood that they would say that any mention of a soul eye is a, just a projection of that illusory mind eye, called it an immortality project, as you know. Yeah. So it sounds so suspicious, but what they don't get is that the eye of soul has a, a whole other domain of existence, a whole other plane of existence than the mind eye. So because there's similar language, they get tricked into um, making any kind of soul eye different than the illusory mind eye as a projection you holding on to um, smallness and denying your Buddha nature. Okay, with me so far? Mm -hmm. So instead of um, uh, what the mind eye is nothing but an internally cathected dualistic construct, um, the soul eye is nothing more than an internally cathected internal uh, inter dualistic experience. The soul would say the eye is something not nothing more, something more than eternally cathected unilistic experience. I'm going to say that again. I'll, I'll contrast them. The, the mind eye from, from an enlightened sagehood is nothing more than an internally cathected dualistic uh, um, experience. But the soul eye is something more than an eternally connected unilistic experience. So, uh, what all this means, and this is where we segue into any question you have here, I, I just want to establish a couple of benchmarks that identity um, plants their feet, uh, their paradigmatic feet very solidly in. And it's from those contexts that any question that you ask about the difference between sage and saint, um, we can pivot and, and respond. Mm -hmm. So, so far, um, we've talked about consciousness quotient being a function. Now we can go one step further for identity consciousness quotient is um, is uh, based on attainment in what identity calls its three hoods, affectionately. Um, the uh, higher, the, atta the deeper the attainment of emotive, emotional body authentication, the higher, the deeper the um, factor of um, the uh, sagehood uh, attainment and the deeper factor of sainthood attainment, each of those contribute to um, CQ. But if you just only do do one, someone who, who just does personhood and authenticates their human self before they ever go forward in a spiritual path, um, they will have higher CQ, higher, higher CQ than all of those around them most of the time. Are there any distinctions worth making between the three hoods and the kind of self-awareness they impart? Um, yeah, we could do that. Uh, uh, for personhood, the type of self-awareness uh, is, is of the authentic emotive, the emotive, emotively authentic self, as opposed to the conditioned, default, wounded, protective self that we all okay. live by default. Mm -hmm. So uh, the more we emotively authenticate, the more the higher our CQ becomes in personhood. Make sense? Mm -hmm. uh, for sagehood. Uh, the more we uh, deepen our attainment of toward the source of the of the um, of the I, we'll just say I in general, and find that the first thing we hit is what all the um, spiritual adepts of the of the centuries in the East have claimed as the end. For identity, is it is only it is only the beginning. 
In other words, attaining uh, the uh, the um, uh, realization and the embodiment of that realization that there is something going on at the very base of the mind-based I that dissolves into nothing. Um, absolutely, identity says, yes, that is true. But the East says that truth is their whole journey. That is their whole destination, that the self is an, uh, it does not, the I does not exist. It's just all of nothing, even though there's dualistic arisements in one's being. And that the results result in some sloughing off of personal conditioning, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, uh, emotive body um, uh, uh, work, uh, emotional body work in personhood um, takes care of um, situational content uh, of, the, um, of the protective conditioned self, 70-30 by, by, uh, by default for most people, mm -hmm. 70 wounded, uh, 30 uh, uh, whole. And sagehood uh, goes existential. Uh, we look at, in, sa in sagehood, we completely verify what the East is teaching about the bottom of the mind eye dissolving into non-dual, or in our terms, pre-dual, vastness, emptiness, featurelessness. I like featurelessness. It's uh, to me, I, I can feel the pre-dual more if I if I use the abstracted word featureless. We would agree. Um, the trouble, the difference here. Here's where we part, though, between Eastern-based sagehood and identity's version of sainthood. Here's where we veer. That's the end game for the East. Sine qua non. Uh, nothing else uh, adorning such a pure and beautiful and, in identity's opinion, a, a real and true attainment, not attainment. We could say it that way. Mm. But it's, for us, it's only the uh, first the first gate that we have to walk through. First, we have to the, the second. It's actually the second gate. The first gate is only an authentic, an emotively authenticated self is qualified to pursue a sage track where the personal mind eye is finally realized as ending up in nothingness. Otherwise, if, uh, there's a transcendent motive that will fall short of the mark. Yes, it will the affect the mark. It, yeah, the not mark. <laughs> and that, that if you put a little finer point on that very thing, Joseph, what you've got then is if by default, and 70% of us by default is a wound-based conditioned um, self, if that has never been emotively authenticated, you will have unconscious motives um, of escapism. Not conscious, but unconscious motives. Let's get the hell out of here because um, look at this, all that stuff, all that stuff in my character that's, that's got to be fixed. I don't have to do any of it. Because if, if from, from pure, the pure Zen point of view, which is not that not true for a lot of Buddhist psychologists, um, there, there is nothing to heal because any arising secondary form or expression of the I is as equally illusory as the I that isn't. So... There, there's a one, one woman, Suzanne Segal, uh, wrote a wonderful book detailing the classic, classic uh, non-dual track of the East, where um, nothing has to be done. You don't have to be prepared. Your character doesn't have to be um, cleaned up before you go and get enlightened, because anything you try to clean up 
uh, is being authored or captained, captained by an illusory eye. So she was really confused after she had this, after enlightenment found her, she was convinced for 10 or 11 years that because since she had this overhanging fear all the time that somehow something was wrong with her until she realized, and here's a great metaphor, uh, the, the uh, ocean um, is not bothered by the fact that there's seaweed floating around in it, right? Uh, once you attain oceanic vastness and emptiness or featurelessness, who cares if the seaweed of fear or the seaweed of um, sexual impulse or anything else that arises, it's all to be taken not seriously. And when she realized that her suffering was because was because a part of her would not let what would told her that um, her her fear meant that she really didn't enlighten. And when some, when some really good uh, master uh, uh, corrected that for her, all of a sudden the joy that she'd been searching for, the bliss that was supposed to come to enlightenment, um, uh, uh, finally started to find her. Because she shed then the self-judgment that it must I must be insane or incomplete in my enlightenment if I still have fear. And of course, uh, enlightened masters would just laugh at that. Well, wait, 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 the ocean doesn't care if it's got seaweed in it. Right. Become the ocean, the clear water, the featureless, and don't worry about what the gunk that's in it. Yeah. Anchor your identity in identitylessness, not in what seems to be remaining. Exactly. And and there's a huge and the and identity again, it, as part of the sage track, would completely agree that um that 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 at the level of content, mm -hmm. um, that is true in the paradigm of non-dual as essence. Yeah. But if we switch over and say, no, non-dual is not essence, just the second gate, after the first gate, there is characterological work. Not because it has to be fixed, but because it has to um, be shed of our conditioned wound-based self to um, allow the emotively authentic, authenticated self. So we, are, we already disagree with the East in saying that there is characterological work to be done um, and agree though that the second gate is ultimate vastness and inner featureless emptiness okay? and if we put this in historical context it makes perfect sense that that would be what the sort of metaphysics that would be arrived at if you have enlightenment uh, zen as a paradigm preceding psychology by 2500 years there the idea of unconscious characterological defects uh -huh. came along later but they must have perceived them somehow but and I've, I've heard that even today that there's this this idea of like well if those if those things remain then it's just your your enlightenment is there and real it just hasn't integrated all the way sure another and way to I, say and I also yeah. uh have i think it was gangaji who said uh if you think you need therapy then you need therapy <laughs> yes um, which is a really interesting kind of uh, koan for people yeah. to chew on absolutely um, yeah, it just depends on how seriously you take the seaweed and your paradigm for what that seaweed is. Is it an aspect of God? Right. Or is it just, just detritus that is a distraction from what is real? Yes. Uh, all, all the seaweed uh, in, that, in that metaphor is sinful, you know, and in religious uh, terms. Yeah. 
not an intrinsic part of the ecosystem in the sea, which it actually is, right? You can't yes. separate anything out of the sea. It's all has a purpose. <laughs> yes. In fact, uh, the seaweed does, it does lots of good things uh, to uh, oxygenate uh, and yeah. mitigate, uh, the ocean. So yeah. you can't really separate them. So I like that. It's, it's, it's consistent, you know. But here's the thing, and here's the principle that we like, a meta principle. Just because everything inside a paradigm interlockingly reinforces without contradiction doesn't make that paradigm accurate yeah. to human consciousness. But once that does do that, um, it feels like it's, it makes the, the paradigm absolute truth. Uh, and even an identity would agree with that. Um, it's certainly, uh, yeah. it's certainly better than a paradigm that doesn't prove itself to itself and is filled with obvious contradictions and such things exist as well. Exactly. Uh, so in that sense, the first gate is authentication of the emotional body uh, because we're emotive body first, not mental body first, which preceded Descartes by a couple thousand years. The entire picture of the mind eye is that the, the eye is what makes us I think, therefore I am. Oh, if we were mental beings first, mental yes. body first, then sagehood would be the first thing to yes. do. Absolutely mm -hmm. right. Yeah. You see, and and that's fine. Um, that it all interlocks, and, and and there's nothing contradictory contradictory there. But just because it doesn't con logically contradict, doesn't mean it's the end all, be all completion. Um, yeah. It's only the second gate. And the reason we say um, we need to go through the second gate of sagehood before we can get to mature, emotively mature sainthood. And here's where the, the, the canals start to, to diverge and what's the difference between sagehood and sainthood mm -hmm. is that the linkage is this featurelessness, this vast featurelessness in, in, um, in the Zen way or the, 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 the pre-dual or non-dual way of the East for the last two and a half centuries. Uh, that vastness is, is indescribable and um, inexperienceable, but it's sitting there as the backlight for all the falseness of an I that just is an internal cathection of dualistic experience, right? So, but the reason it's important to attain that, or at least alongside of a, a sainthood track, is that what it does is, is that it cleans up our slavery to the mental body. In other words, I think, therefore, I am is utterly obliterated when the I is experientially shown to be um, nothing but outside experience the way the, and the way the body-mind cathects it and abstracts it. So if the I is only an I think thing, then, then sagehood is the end-all, be-all. Identity steps in and, and it's body-mind, uh, that mind-body, uh, and, and not just mind, a mind-eye, but a body-mind-eye. Uh, and that's what atheists say, you know, that the eye, our eye is a function of our body, the way our body ex experiences experience and abstracts it in the brain. So when you die, as Gangaji would agree, the lights go out and you don't know the lights go out because there was never a you in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. But enlightenment means you you really realize in, in, in while you're still alive, that the I is not a real thing. And it's hugely liberating. But what's liberating about it, identity would offer is that 
it, you are no longer slave to a I think, therefore I am <laughs> paradigm of life. Uh, we explode Rene uh, Descartes um, in the West uh, um, absolutely co-signs uh, the East uh, in, in the counterintuitive way. I think, therefore I am, they would say that's I am the I is substantive. But the East would say, I think, therefore I am. That's right, but it's not substantive at all. It's the opposite, you see. So sagehood obliterates our slavery to the mental body I. Oh, and, our slavery to the I, not yes, the I itself. Exactly. And here's where the difference between the soul I and the mind I becomes so intrinsic to identity's paradigm, which you don't have to agree with, of course. Um, and that is that when, once you're liberated from the mind eye, guess what happens? A new eye shows up. Unbelievable. It's sort of like um, the glove comes off the hand. Right? And there's still a hand there. And there's still <laughs> a hand, which Zen and Advaita Vedanta and all the, 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 the true lineages of the East would completely deny as Maya. There's no hand. There's only a glove, and it floats <laughs> inside of an illusory, um, uh, impersonal um, vastness, right? So if you're a, a die-in-the-hard Zen Buddhist, and this all sounds like immortality project stuff, literally, God bless you. Uh, will we'll stick with what you're on right now? Yeah, there, there's no arguing because the paradigm makes sense of and to itself. You know? Sure. At least, as you say, and it does far more than Western religion, which yeah. contradicts itself every day, once every day and twice on Sunday. So to speak. Yeah, in about 60 seconds of any metaphysics. Yeah, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yes. Right, so let's let's finalize this now um, and get into the track that you wanted us to kind of uh, start with. That empty featureless vastness identity steps in and says what if that is simply the womb space of a yin divinity what if all this time would it seem like an end game destination was simply a younger soul's best they could do the first uh, they would see that as the first gate and the only gate the only gate because when that was in when when Gotama and uh, Hinduism a little before him started talking about enlightenment, there was no characterological maturation. There was no psychology. So for the East, it's only one gate. Identity says, "Oh God, I wish that was the case. If that was the case, I'd probably be a really famous uh, non-dual teacher with a bunch of books uh, justifying an outworn uh, um, um, uh, paradigm." So we have a character, we have a second gate now, and that not only delivers us from the slavery of the mind-based I, it opens a gate to re-experiencing the most primordial aspect of the birth of our soul I. In other words, that featureless vastness I mean, if, if yin divinity is seamlessly as huge as all the metaverse, right? It's going to seem like there's no edges to it and nothing could context it. It's the ultimate context. Well, yeah, it looks like that, right? Um, but uh, in identity, no, no, you can experience something very different. If you've been around the block, if you've had 10 or 12 enlightenments in the past, maybe you're ready to see that that vastness is part of something else, not just. So up until that point, 
identity completely agrees that that sage track encounters a pre-dual or non-dual vastness, emptiness, featurelessness. But that's not what divinity is made of in its entirety. It's simply the womb space out of which our soul I was born. And the fractal, let's see if we can get this clear. As soon as we displace our slavery to the mind eye in pre-dual ensoulment in identity, we recapitulate as the fractal the birth of our soul eye in our present incarnation. In other words, the pre-dual is the, is the not space out of which our soul eye, deeper soul eye, was born. And when we attain access to that womb space, we recreate the birth of soul, our soul eye, originally expressed as a fractal of now finally making room for uh, our soul eye to begin to come in from behind and start um, insinuating itself through the demindified version of our consciousness. So the one thing that hits me is if someone is enlightened, when someone is enlightened in a Zen tradition and they will experience the notness for some amount of time, and then they start to feel an eye come forward, mm -hmm. surely in a different way, mm -hmm. inside that paradigm, they're left constantly having to disbelieve that sense of I ad yeah. infinitum, right? Yeah, exactly right. That sounds terrible. Well, this is the this is the tragedy that I was speaking of earlier, Joseph, because yeah. I've, I've worked with dozens of people over the years who had some kind of really uh, uh, authentic uh, pre-dual event and had an I somehow resurrect out of the ashes and were told by their teachers that this is Maya and that they're still overattached. They haven't fully attained yet. And when that there's a certain prevailing paradigmatic um, uh, bias against any I any Ihood surfacing other than as the train metaphor, as it's been unplugged, but it's going to persist. So what? So what? Doesn't matter. Keep going. But keep going. Yes, just keep yeah. going. Look through everything to the featurelessness behind it. Nothing is substantive on itself. You look yeah. through everything. Right. I was told that, and mm -hmm. now. It kind of pisses me off at the moment, um, but uh, now it seems like, oh, I, I, the, the decoding of that is actually uh, form an identity around nothingness or yes. form an attachment of around non-attachment, yes. which is just as unsatisfactory as there's still I left here when I thought there was supposed to be. I mean, it seems like both options are kind of problematic in that paradigm. They're completely unintegrated. Yeah, they're trapped. Yeah, They're non-integratable by paradigmatic um, fiat, right? Mm. Um, and since since there's no negotiation, uh, the uh, I I ran into a teacher back in Europe uh, who said this teacher is always right and the student is always wrong. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it makes me think of like uh, a, a devout Catholic who somehow was stumbled across forgiving themselves would uh -huh. be told. Well, um, I guess that's good, but it doesn't mean anything until you uh, feel you've surrendered to Jesus and gotten forgiveness from him. Correct. It has to be discounted paradigmatically, and so you're screwed. 
Yes, absolutely right. So this is why there's so much suffering, either overt and conscious, Joseph, or jammed back, uh, because if you find yourself um, in, a, in a sangha, where the prevailing bias is that any sort of attachment or judgment about an arising I quality, whether the I entire or an I secondary quality like fear or envy or whatever thing else, um, uh, that is broadcast very clearly in, in all sanghas, making someone who has a persistent I of some kind, people are afraid to bring that forward and actually uh, ask questions about it because a lot of times with a lot of these gurus, they get shamed or ridiculed um, for that those kind of questions. And mm -hmm. the ultimate uh, put down is, well, only an unenlightened person would ask that question, you see? Yeah. So this is the where- The softer what, version of that is who's asking the question. Exactly right. Makes it yeah. sound like it's, it's, it's de facto, on the face of it, helpful for that journey, but- yeah, and I and I've seen you mentioned Gangaji earlier. I've seen her shamelessly shame uh, questioners uh, who were asking very sincere questions, but from her tabula rasa, um, vastness, featurelessness, anything that had substance to it, that the, the question contained any sort of substantive. But wait, wait, wait. Um, that that's completely off the track of the fiat of the sangha, right? Yeah. So the reason, um, if people were halfway through here today, we've talked a lot about sage. The reason I wanted to revisit this is to really cement how sagehood is required for an emotively mature sainthood. In other words, we have to be, uh, we have to de dethrone the I the mental body I, because we have lived, unlike the, the Buddha, we live in an era that says, I think, therefore I am. We are existentially conditioned to perceive the world through dualistic boxes of the, of the mental body and not through the deeper coarctations of spirit that lie upstream of the mental body dualistic boxes. So if you don't, so you could say that, we mentioned this phrase last time, Joseph, Sagehood is sainthood, and personhood is sainthood, because everything is spiritually consequential. Everything, our, our characterological healing away from our protective self, our, our, our liberation from the slavery of our mental body self, um, all of those things uh, are required before we can then finally we no longer have unconscious motives for escape or transcendence. And then what happens is what starts to happen, and here's where that's the most cruel in my experience in working with people. It's not so much the I that arises uh, that becomes problematic for people. It's this sense of love, um. love that comes forward with this, denuded mind eye not state the warmth of love and zen and advaita none of these these teachings uh, uh, put love as the sequela to the access to the empty vastness featurelessness it's empty and vast and featureless they don't say anything about love but love when would love, be a feature love would be a feature but we're talking about a love that's that's meta uh, uh, um, 
meta consequential. In other words, it's not meta situational. It's not, it's not uh, love can be affected by a personal consciousness filter, but it exists prior, prior in the system as its most substantive bottom line. And so when love I, as when essence I, rather than as, as essence or expression. Yeah. In other words, and now we come to the, to the crux of it for a sage track of the East, the, uh, the, the um, featureless emptiness, vastness is the essence. And we would say in identity, no, the love behind it is the essence. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that, enlightens the enlightened state it ensouls the enlightened state that still allows that love to come forward um in other words without it there's, there's no love that comes through the most that comes through is bliss but bliss is an absence of something not a presence of something bliss is the literally erasure of attachment uh, neuroses in us and it feels so good to shed all that. This this thing we call bliss that happened, uh, uh, begun to happen to me, um, but just before sainthood kicked back in, God, a uh, divine being kicked back in for me after my non-dual enlightenment. Um, there is this absence of of care and and oh, from a from a whole conditioned self that never did its work beforehand. This feels like such a say, uh, oh, such a relief. But it's technically an absence of suffering well, it's the same way opioids work right they don't make you feel good they just kill no. all of the pain <laughs> yes exactly right so once that happens and if they dare if a seeker in a sangha dare comes forward but i feel all this love and I, it's not from the it's like it comes from the vastness well this is impossible you're project from that point of view you're projecting something into the vastness from the human eye. See, that's how it's treated. Wow. That yeah. makes sense? Yeah. If, if you do report some sort of love emanations, warmth, not just the light, that light is really is really attained in, in pre-dual, non-dual enlightenment. That vastness, uh, it's a whitish gray. Um, it's very bright. It's, it's light, but it's not heat. That's why sainthood figures uh, in our history have much more heart heat mm -hmm. and, and enlightened masters from the East have much more uh, trans uh, mental light mm -hmm. uh, and wisdom, light and wisdom. Sage means wisdom. It means wisdom. That's the most it can impart. But love is a deeper dynamic than wisdom and warmth is a different dynamic an upstream dynamic of light. light and different teachers will mix that light and warmth in different ways. Like most of my sagehood work I did in, in Ajashanti's paradigm. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. as you've pointed out, he's not a strict Zen teacher. Correct. Uh, and he, I don't know if, I don't know, I'm trying to, that's sort of a sidebar how much he realizes that or not, but he does talk about the divine and yes. he does talk about love and yes. you can feel it. I, yeah. my, I would call it like uh I'd say he's 60, 40, maybe 70, 30 light warmth that way. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And, and every different uh, spiritual teacher has a, a, a different um, factor. Yeah. Yeah. Different sort of factor, uh, different, right. different mix there. Do you know, if, are there any pure, all light, no warmth Zen teachers out there that you know of? 
Well, yeah, certainly the one that said the teacher's always right and the student's always wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I would put um, I would put Gangaji at ninety five five uh, in that one. She can smile, um, but you you notice there's an absence behind that smile, and then but she would say, "Well, of course there is." Yeah, the warmth. I you don't really feel it. I've not. I don't really feel like I see she's making the gestures and saying the words. Yeah, but you don't really feel a relationality there. Yeah, exactly. And and for me, Byron Katie is similar. Um, yes, totally. Uh, 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 she she vocalizes warmth, but she isn't warmth in her being. Yeah. Uh, same principle there. Yeah. So we could say that people like um, uh, like Adya Shanti. Um, are 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 at the tip of the end of that paradigm that's lasted the last 2500 3000 years uh, because he's without having any sort of structural gain or conscious aim for that love aspect to be includable and to use the word divine um, which is not used in the east at all uh, unless with some mixtures he's anticipated it but he's not aware of it. And that's why I'd love to uh, one day meet him and see if what the identity offers might might uh, um, really confirm some stuff for him that maybe lives in kind of a swirl in him that isn't definable um, to set set his soul, literally his soul, more at peace than it is now. Because mm -hmm. I, in his eyes, uh, I don't see peace. Mm -hmm. I see warmth. Uh, a, a bit of warmth, a, a, a tangible warmth, and a whole lot of light, but I don't see peace. Mm. He's, he's troubled, and I'm, I don't mean to judge him. Um, uh, to the the clarity with which he delivers a combination of divinity and non-duality is is very compelling, and would make him at the forefront of uh, anticipating a new paradigm that actually um, was incepted about thirty-five years ago and waiting for the world to catch up to it, which is identity, right? So we would say he's he's a, he's an, uh, an Edenist uh, without knowing he's an Edenist. He's mm. on that track, you see. And he does an amazing job putting words around things that are difficult to describe better than any uh, spiritual yeah. teacher I know besides you. I'd, yeah. I'd put him at number two from what I know. Uh, and, I, and I would agree. Uh, the guy is... A valuable addition to the planetary consciousness, Absolutely. much, much more so than um, the power of now guy, uh, E.T. I told him. Yeah, I mean, he's touted as the most influential te spiritual teacher on the planet. And oh, yeah. it, that is such a sad comment on the planet. To me, mm -hmm. Adya, like you said one time um, that, you know, Einstein was ahead of his time, but he was known in his time. Yeah, right? so not really ahead of his time. Correct, he's, <laughs> because he's known in his time. Adya is ahead of his time like Einstein was in, 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 in opening new avenues and including more, more bandwidths uh, to his uh, uh, non-dual uh, um, seat of being. So once, let's, let's get, finish up this track then to, to go on to, if personhood is, is all sainthood at the local characterological level, if sagehood is all spiritual at the mentalized existential level, now we're ready because because we've 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 moved through slavery to the mind eye, opening up third eye if that's there, opening up a seventh chakra, which also allows the infiltration from behind. I call it a, a seeping absorption from back to front of the soul eye, 
the hand acquiring a new glove. The hand is rawly experienced as the soul eye, but it has all these kinds of history, historical narratives going on in the consciousness of, of, of a person who's, who's non-dualized, right? Uh, but now, now the, the hand comes in, the, the personal soul that, that predated birth and post-dates uh, death uh, is coming in while we're alive. And the deeper we go, now once that be is freed up, that the soul eye is now free to inculcate, re-inculcate, re-inculture our, 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 our now liberated um, Zen consciousness, let's say. Uh, now we are beginning the task in pure sainthood of, of deepening the access to the divinity of which the featureless vast um, emptiness was simply a womb space of its yin nature. It, a divine being has yin and yang nature, both always has. And as you said at the beginning of this podcast, 2012, uh, that the um, the uh, uh, over, over overseeing of uh, earth uh, moved from the yang-based God to the yin-based God, uh, version of God, uh, which is one and two both, which we our minds will never understand. But now we just, sainthood track that we're talking about now deepens our already access to a sainthood feature, which is the pre-dual uh, um, um, womb space of uh, divine yin. So I wanted to come in from that direction to show that from the beginning here, sage, sainthood and sagehood are inextricably linked, but differing absolutely in the way they've both been presented. The East has ages over the 2,500-year-old and uh, uh, encoded uh, 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 non-dual path. And Western religion has, um, has absconded with how do we relate to divinity? And all, and all of those are in such projected and mommy-daddy ways um, uh, as to be actually comical if it wasn't so tragic. Mm. Uh, so identity steps in and says, what's grown-up relationship with divinity? as opposed to childlike relationship with divinity that Western religion has cult has cultivated, literally cultivated. Um, <laughs> so in that sense, um, that's the root that sagehood starts with. A previously healed, um, emotively authentic self, 70, 30, never a hundred, it's never a hundred, zero, not in this first iteration. Our aim in personhood is to switch the, the, the um, percentages from 70 default wound-based to 70 healed authenticity and 30 um, to continue processing dribble by dribble as it finds us in our lives. At some point, when you get partway into sainthood, you will find personhood, sagehood, and sainthood things come up all the time um, to be processed in smaller and smaller um, uh, ways because uh, the, the primary one was taken care of in non-dual enlightenment uh, in terms of, uh, of that. So um, sainthood is the deepening dharma that requires ideally, ideally, a personhood track having been minimally attained and a sagehood track minimally attained. And so we can tell the, tell the difference between personhood, situational wound-based focus, sagehood, existential, mental, uh, uh, mentalized focus, and sainthood, which is soulful, 
uh, inhabitation of our relationship with our own soul and um, with, uh, with divinity. So to all those who have enlightened out there who aren't listening to this podcast, because you wouldn't, because you've got a, a fiat, <laughs> I want to say out to the ethers. You never uh, know. <laughs> you never know. I would like to say to the ethers, hey, man, are you almost ready to go to another level? Would you? Are you curious? Would you be curious that that featureless vastness emptiness is only a part of divinity and not its entirety and doesn't represent the end game, but only the second gate? What if there's a third gate where love becomes the essence through the pre-dual, non-dual, and then to the dual? The essence is love and divinity. Uh, the, the form is enlightened sagehood, and the expression is enlightened and sold personhood. In other words, mm -hmm. once sagehood gets to a uh, sainthood gets to a certain place, all three hoods come along for the ride and there's no exclusionary dynamic whatsoever so i thought it was important for those who are metaphysically addicted like you and i are um, and proud of it uh, to take a metaphysical journey as to the source and the meaning context of uh, sainthood and that's why i wanted to start today and the ultimate of course is when you attain personhood sagehood and sainthood all in one lifetime um, that's a triple attainment in one lifetime. That's where your CQ would be um, uh, the highest. Because what does sainthood, uh, what does sainthood attainment look like? Sainthood attainment looks like um, adjudicating the desires and dreams of the will of ourselves, adjudicating that with the will of divine being, holding holding for us perhaps a different future with a different set of values than the dreams that we have um, uh, in our in our individual self. In other words, the, the, the heartfulness of our emotively authentic self is the dynamical bandwidth in personhood. The mental body uh, uh, and our slavery to it is the focus in um, sagehood. But in, in, in sainthood, and soulman and sainthood is with the will. Think of it this way. The will has been authenticated emotively in personhood. The will has been shown to be um, an, uh, 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 an, uh, no longer slave to an illusory I, because it takes will to lose will, personal will in, um, in sagehood, which is another interesting topic. Um, yeah. We use Wait, will say, to say what the sagehood thing with will is. There's the um, emotively authenticated will, and then sagehood does what with will? It 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 frees it from the mental body um, uh, author of will. Uh, and so now you end up uh, you end up with a purer will. A purer will, in fact, as you do work in sainthood, it will show itself that that's your soul will coming forward, that's been liberated because it's been yanked out of the greedy hands of the mental body using will. But we've got this momentum going, Joseph, right? A whole lifetime for most of us of mental body use of will that's a freight train that just because you unplug it in enlightenment doesn't mean it's going to keep going. But now the soul eye has room to come forward. Now we have a battle between our, our, our mental body use of will and our soul eye use of will. Our mind eye use of will versus a soul eye use of will. 
And so that's what's adjudicated in sainthood. We find not a hundred percent will. Uh, it's God's. It's God. Uh, God's will or the highway in religion. Yeah. There's no will left. You just unfold and let uh, nowness find you now and now and now in sagehood. Um, but in sainthood, there is a divine being, a self-aware divine being, of which we're downline fractals, that has is holding for us a dream of our any one incarnation's life that we've forgotten mostly. And and it want whenever it's a divine being, we would say in sainthood, always says yes to any prayer, but the yes comes in the form of a no. Uh, when when you've asked it to say no, and and uh, and and begged it before you were born, hey, I'm going to have all these great monetizable gifts, and so I'm going to I'm going to I I want to really make sure me and my family are never have to worry about money. That's going to be a theme. But beforehand, you chose to have such a genetic inheritance to support that, and you said, please, divinity, don't let me get lost in my monetization of myself. Um, don't don't let me forget your presence in my soul, right? So when it's so when it's when you're up for a vice a VP of uh, Elon Musk's, uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know if he has any of those left. <laughs> no, I, I, well, when he still had VP executive v, yeah. VPs, when when they got if they were part of Twitter, of course, now they're mostly fired. Um, yeah, and if you were an executive VP in Twitter, don't mourn this. This may be divinity saying. You've completed that chapter. Um, don't be sad. Be be happy that you've um, been liberated from a crazy person, uh, and that you maybe have a different future. Okay, I have a question though. Um, in sagehood, the will is freed from the mind. You're saying the mind's control. Or the, the mind's, mind's control of will. So right. why 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 is it? Because I imagine the uh, an, an a f uh, earlier version of me a couple of years ago. Would have said, and I've actually, actually, I think I remember do talk uh, talking with Bree about this, um, and I imagine people who've had awakening experiences would say the same. But it seems like after awakening that the will is gone, or at least significantly changed. It's there's a lot less, you know, willfulness. So, what would you Absolutely. say to those? What would you say to um, that? The liberation of will from the mental, the mind eye is extraordinarily powerful and impactful. It changes everything. That just because just because we go on a willless sort of surrender path to what the now is bringing to us or not bringing to us without preference, the more deeply we, we deepen that, just because that will has been pulled out from aegis by the mind doesn't mean it's gone. There's and, a soul and, and the abidement with the moment and the like, uh, uh, you know, acting as if what the moment seems to be calling for, which is what that delivers you to. There's still a will operating in there, even if you don't experience it. Well, it would be reflexive. It would be in response to what is coming at you. I can oh. use my will to abide with this or resist this new unfoldment. You see, oh. it's behind there all the time. It just doesn't oh. register in the same way because you you robbed, you've uh, toppled the throne of uh, their mental body, and now a new king or queen is there, and it's called the soul eye. 
and its will is still operating in the oh ether. and we literally don't have a box for that because it doesn't fit in a box so when you no. lose the box of the will inside the mind yes. it seems as if will goes out the window and you're just going with the flow right yes. but actually that's the will of the soul yes not yet sainthood wise lined up with the will of the divine correct absolutely Whoa. beautifully okay. beautiful does that make sense yeah yeah okay so there's the distinction in the most um, concrete way. Which is why it doesn't lead to human thrival, because you need to align with the will of divine to have those dreams come true. That's the will of the soul aligning with the will of the divine, because it's somehow soul personal or meta personal there. Whereas if you stay in sagehood, it tends to create this sort of even track, doesn't Absolutely. really flower into something. That's right. And, and and this is where uh, you could say that you're still in survival in sagehood. Yeah. And you, you've got a modicum of thrival going, but it's a steady state. It yeah. can deepen, but it doesn't it doesn't heighten. It yeah. doesn't broadify. It, it deepens more. Uh, um, um, specifically. <laughs> specifically. Nice. Specifically. Oh That's on your top 10 best invented oh, words. Oh my God. That just came right out of the hole. In my <laughs> um, and so uh, what, what happens is um, oh, now that you are, you are ready to no longer be in survival mode because you're in now, 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 now mode take, being taken care of by the universe somehow. Um, mm -hmm. But since uh, uh, there's a high monetary value ascribed to non-dual masters, you'll you'll do really well if you want to put your soapbox up and start talking. Mm -hmm. uh, but look what's happening here. Uh, thrival means soulification. So you, you you're no longer stuck in survival, um, uh, money seeking or security seeking. Now in in sainthood, you are meaning seeking meaning seeking and those of us myself included that never became a money seeker or a security seeker and was never i i really was like a straight line linear one-dimensional meaning meaning seeker uh, i've been my whole life was offered very ludicrous some um, kinds of ludicrous <laughs> oh my god that was, was awesome. a Freudian slip uh, well lucrative and ludicrous are very lucrative, close yeah, yeah. Ludicrous relative to my soul, but lucrative <laughs> relative to my will, right? Uh, walking away from a couple of really sedu seductive uh, uh, options for my life, this life. So you become literally a dedicated, meaningful seeker. And that's why people don't make a lot of, spiritualized people tend not to make a lot of money mm -hmm. because there's they become meaning seekers or they've been meaning seekers since they were born. But we, we, there's a new sheriff in town, and it's a she. <laughs> and so our yin divinity wants us to thrive, but only in meaningfulness first. And then, divinity, you'll draw whatever uh, sumptuousness extra that that meaningfulness will add to your life. You've got to make meaning. Sainthood is about incubating meaning more than security or knowledge ahead or monetary dreams. Um it's a surrender in a whole other level to the presence of divinity, not just to the absence of personal will, which happens in sagehood, see?
So that's the whole um, uh, from metaphysical roots to form and expression. And so when a, 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 a the Dalai Lama says starts intoning, uh, form is emptiness and emptiness is form. Um, we would suggest that. Thank you. Um, Dalai uh, Lama uses metaphysics. That's Zen, really. Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, um, uh, um, um, what his track is. Um, What's what's what Buddhism form is he Tibetan Buddhism? Tibetan. And they, one of their main intonational mantras: form is emptiness, emptiness is form, yeah. form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Uh, and of course, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo also um, related to that uh, as an intonation mantra. But the idea here is that um, our 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 um, our way forward is in the emergence of our soul eye that now wants to inform our personally authentic, emotively authenticated and mentally cleansed being. And that's a lifelong um, uh, track where slowly but surely we ensoul our will. Divine being doesn't, doesn't say, follow my will. Divine being says, hey, you asked me to enforce your will when you got to this place in your life, don't blame me. You well, you can blame me. I don't care. Uh, yeah. But you, I made you a promise because you asked me to. So I'm going to say no to that lottery ticket because um, even though it feels like you've really earned it, because um, because that's actually saying yes to what you wanted. Yes. Uh, <laughs> all no's are yeses, mm -hmm. but not all yeses are no's. Mm -hmm. Yes is the primary. Yes is the yin. Like yin is primary to yang, yes is primary or upstream to no. Uh, a no is saying is is a yes to your soul uh, request, and only a no to your personality self, which hasn't got clued in quite yet. Mm. <laughs> so thank God for those no's, because if it wasn't for those no's, you wouldn't. If you're a real real meaning seeker, you wouldn't keep going. Um, but if you are stopped because you're monetarily challenged or, or um, physically challenged or whatever, and you stop your meaning seeking, well, then the, the, the physical or the mental or the willful has taken over your seat of being and uh, has won uh, if it robs you of your meaningful seeking arc through human life. So uh, what I'd like to do now is uh, now we're ready to go into more of the content of how sainthood next time mm -hmm. moves you through a deeper and deeper coarctation of divine wills adjudication with your emotively cleansed and mentally cleansed version of consciousness that you bring to the sainthood path. And we didn't get to the unholy trident, but I thought we covered that kind of stuff before. Altruism. We did, but I, I want to rebase it inside of this track okay. that we're on now. So we'll, we'll lead with that next time. Some of the ways that um, religious teachings do absolutely do not help us adjudicate the will of our cleansed, uh, emotively and mentally cleansed being. Um, but in fact, uh, are supposed to be given over totally 100-0 to the will of God which is um, only the, um, the domain of a despot uh, yeah. or a czar or a king wants you to obey. There's no, as we said last time, no obedience. Divine being requires no obedience, only inference, not obedience. It wants to infer to our souls. 
once our soul starts inculcating and reforming our um, physical, emotional, and mental uh, versions of ourself, as it starts seeping in, our soul increases our physical vitality, increases um, our mental uh, 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 vitality, but <laughs> but it increases our mental um, uh, acuity by clearing out all the fog first that is left over from a mental body version of the mind. Um, so a lot of times uh, when you're on a sainthood track, your mind is going to go foggy as shit uh, because you're detoxing from the mental body's use of your mind instead of the soul eye's mind. Last point that makes it all real. In between lifetimes, our soul uh, post uh, exists life. It has a mental body. It has a will body, um, but it is made of a love body. Secondarily, it's a will body. Tertiarily, it's a mental body or an energetic body. Right. So we have mental bodies in our soul, but the soul's mental body <laughs> so outclasses our conditioned mental body that uh, the transition can be quite um, uh, challenging. Uh, so, so here's an opportunity for a live read. My my uh, mind has been quite fuzzy for I don't even know how many days because if I knew it wouldn't be fuzzy. Uh, is my mind fuzziness a sage a personhood issue, a sagehood issue, or a sainthood issue, or some combination thereof? <laughs> What's my answer? Sagehood mostly would be no, my it's guess. All three. It's all, all three. three. Oh, well, that explains why it's so disorienting. In in, a, in, in, diff, in different um, uh, percentages, mm -hmm. uh, but those percentages switch by the day, whichever domain is arising in the moment. One moment you could uh, start a talk with Bree and just be completely uh, at sea, and yet you start uh, that was today. <laughs> yeah, and today you start with a very clear, much clearer uh, consciousness quotient with me here in the podcast. Yeah. It, it's all rolling through. You are being you are um, being tossed about in all three hoods because divinity wants you is, wants you to uh, divinate it wants you to mm -hmm. solivate uh not salivate solivate <laughs> it wants you sooner than later in concordance between your personhood sagehood and sainthood uh consciousness bandwidths it wants all three and for you because of your your depth of being and width of being and height of being you all three have to work conjunctively. They have to work together. They can't mm. be separated after a certain point. Mm. Um, and so as they all three are going, Joseph, um, I can say it, uh, you are exactly uh, at all three lanes on your way to enheartenment. Mm. Uh, that's the upside of the burden of all three bedeviling you in this particular phase. Yeah, my reaction was uh, tears to that, uh, not excitement, interestingly. It feels like uh, there's a despair somewhere in there about that, of like, oh God, um, yeah. I don't think I've ever been this unable to describe what it's like to be me, you know, like if someone were to say, like, so what's been going on? I wouldn't begin to even be able to tell it because whatever, if even if I could find the words for it, it would be different five minutes later. Yeah. And that tossed about feeling has been a challenge, particularly finding words, which is what I have to do for a living. Oh yeah. my God, it's just awful. Like, I hate being able to tell that I'm not finding the best words for something. There's uh -huh. this the watcher in me that's just like, that's not really it. That's not really it. That's not really it. And it's just like, oh, God.
yeah. seems so onerous to have to come up with the right words for stuff. And that's a function of all three hoods rebooting from a soul, from a personhood mind will base to a soul, soul's will and soul's mind and soul's heart. Mm -hmm. So consider yourself um, chosen. <laughs> you, you, you chose it. And divine means going, okay, you wanted me to, you wanted uh, three sockets in your, your human puppet here. You wanted personhood, mm -hmm. sagehood, and sainthood all at the same time. After you did separations of them yeah. over time, eventually they, they co-arced. They come well, I together. get the image of a mountain that's like yeah. has distinct different sides. But when the closer you get to the top, the more the distinction between the sides is just like, well, that other side is just 10 feet over there. It's not really a different side. Oh, great metaphor. I never thought of that. Absolutely. And it's a narrowing, widening, depthifying thing. Yeah. But it's a narrowing in the sense that all three hoods at, at some point become simply uh, 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 processing that which is in the way as opposed to digging for what is not conscious. Uh, What's, what gets, when soul eyes starts pushing through from back to front, you can't hide from the issues that need to be addressed. They're just, they're getting pushed up and it's really desultory sometimes. It's really difficult to um, bear because you, you, your conditioned self, self that you've had all your life, how you experience yourself is out the window right now. Yeah, and you don't even realize what that's like until you start losing it that's what's so amazing to me like yeah it's it's like a, a seat a seat of being that one has been forever and you don't even realize it until you start to lose it and be like wow i'm really uncomfortable i guess I've, i'm losing the seat what happened to that and it exactly. turns out it was something you never really needed but the the loss of it is not not a comfortable process no it's not and someone um uh, said to me recently, uh, asked me if I thought it was, if one of my um, um, incarnational imperatives was to free people from being uh, nailed to the cross uh, of, um, of uh, the, the cross of the vertical spiritual and the horizontal um, human. Mm. Is it my, is, is part of my job to un- nail help people get off the suffering of trying to adjudicate the vertical spiritual and the horizontal which is exactly the metaphor of the cross of yeshua hanging at the intersection uh, of that so there's an esoteric dimension of of jesus's crucifixion and the heart is at the intersection right if is of course you sag after a while yeah. you're, you know, but but right there you the heart it goes right through the heart chakra uh, that cross beam um and that's why they rope it there because the nail the nails would rip through the the uh, palms or the wrists way way too early they yeah. do through the wrist not the hand but they also rope the um the arms to uh, keep them from breaking and falling sagging a little bit mm -hmm. But technically, you, when you're on crucifixion, uh, uh, you die of suffocation, not from bleeding out. Uh, you're, you're, you're collapsing more and more pressure on the diaphragm. You can't get a breath. Mm -hmm. So it's suffocation as much as um, bleeding out um, in uh, crucifixion. But yes, Some, right? somehow seems to correspond to at least two of the hoods. This <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, one of the few things that identity would say um, uh, made it through the, all the distortions of Western religion is um, 
fuck me, God, why are you, why did you abandon me? I don't know who I am anymore. Why am I, how did I end up on this thing? Yeshua wasn't tracking his, um, his unconscious motives uh, at the time uh, that, that resulted in the crucifixion. But he had a very human reaction of, why have you abandoned me when he, God, of course, can't abandon anything because it can't get outside. It can't pull away from any of its creation because it is its creation and something more too. So um, another interesting uh, um, overlay dimension to Yeshua's crucifixion. Mm. So my answer to this person was yes, uh, of course. Uh, so mm. you're, you're a prime example. You're being crucified in three dimensions to liberate your soul eyes version of you forward and replace the conditioned part of you um, existentially and situation some situation but not much it's mostly existential now that's pushing stuff up for you so. yeah it's interesting i um I, I can't like i said i can't remember how long this has been going on at least a few weeks and um multiple times a day my girlfriend will ask me how i'm doing and the same i have the same answer every time which is not good (laughs) but at the same time there's this meta acceptance to it that is good it's like i can feel that this is is good and it's absolutely the right thing to be happening but there's just this weight of something mm-hmm. i'm carrying something or something's being torn from me it's a very yes. strange experience that i to to be feeling good and not good in extreme ways at the same time and i guess that's the difference between the the loss of the false false self and the soul self rising from its ashes exactly right exactly right and uh i just you're in good company mr man um uh, the best metaphor and maybe we'll close with this is mm-hmm. everything you just described is not good whatever that is, brain fog, can't find the right words. Um, can't sleep. Uh, can't sleep, an unease about yes. everything. Um, th- it's it's detoxing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you detox, a lot of people, when they detox, change their diet, um, and they start purifying, the body takes over and goes, okay, we can finally, they're not ingesting poisons every single day. Let's get, let's get these poisons out. And they get rashes and itches and uh, and strange pains running here and there and diarrhea and whatever. That's yeah. exactly what's happening. You're being detoxified of smaller versions of your being to allow bigger, more expansive, more heartful and soulful versions of your being to take their place. So yeah, it, it reminds me of the uh, the metaphor that's sometimes used uh, uh, rebuilding the airplane while it's in the air. Cause oh, yeah. cause you, <laughs> oh that's great you know because it feels like i still have a life and the grass needs to be cut and food needs to be made yeah. and 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 there's just a feeling sometimes of like i need to just take like a year off and 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 you know only focus on that but i also know that that's not right that actually the grist of yes. needing to continue being human is totally necessary for pushing it all up Absolutely. And and so it's possible for some person in some segment to take a break from human yeah. challenges, but not you right now. <laughs> no, I got four days off. As soon as we're done with this, I've got four oh. days off Thanksgiving. I don't have to do anything oh. per se. Cook a turkey. That's going to be my biggest challenge over the four days. All right, sir. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much, Stace. You're so welcome. Uh, lovely today. Um, and I hope that you got the listeners got through some of the more um, uh, nuanced metaphysics here, but uh, identity is nothing less than a uh, not a revolution, 
a resolution of all the other paradigms that have ever come before it, uh, linking the spiritual and the human in ways that has never been possible in either end of the rainbow or anything in the middle between humanistic philosophy and spiritual philosophy. So nothing less than that. And you're hanging on the uh, the, the triple version of those crosses, three cross. Oh, look, there were three, three crosses in the, in the crucifixion. Uh, uh, well, the, there the, was also a torture device besides the crucifix that uh, yes. I think I told you once, the, the tripoliare, which is where we get the yes. Latin words for um, work, trabajo in Spanish, and uh, the mm -hmm. word travel comes from, it was a torture device made of three sticks. So um, Yeshua didn't end up on one of those. So maybe they were less often used. Maybe there was yes. a lumber shortage. <laughs> <laughs> but there were three beings uh, 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 all right. at the same time. Oh, yes, I forgot. Yeah, and so it'd be interesting. I never thought of looking into the metaphors, metaphoric dimensions of those two that are mentioned in the Christian Bible, which is probably not going to be accurate anyway. I'd have to yeah. do an Akashic read for that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right, Thank you. you. Stace. Until next You're so time. welcome. Have a great Bye. holiday, and uh, yeah, we'll yeah. get back to our regular schedule yes. next time. Okay. Bye for uh, now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.